Hi, welcome to my CBT podcast. This is Dr. Julie Osborne, and thanks again for joining me for another episode. I'm going to be talking about some good stuff regarding CBT and how you can learn some tools and take this with you. Just wanted to remind you that I'm planning on September 26th to do a Facebook Live episode so you can be there with me and ask me questions and that'll be a lot of fun to give some feedback and some answers and so I hope you'll join me then and as I get more specific about the time and all that of course I'll let you know. So keep that date open if you're available that would be great. I wanted to talk today a little bit about some other specific tools I use within the cognitive behavioral therapy when I work with my clients. So let's talk a little bit about the CBT again before we jump into the tools and just understanding, you know, how our thoughts can hurt us and that we have these what we call cognitive distortions and we want to really work through those. So, you know, one of the best tools we have for living healthy is our ability to think, right? So our world's composed of a large number of events that are always happening. Some are positive, some are negative, and some are neutral. Most are probably neutral, but we interpret these events that happen to us with a series of thoughts that flow continually through our minds. So this is that internal dialogue, you know, that self-talk that we have that sometimes can be really good and sometimes can be really negative. So we constantly are thinking about what's going on presently, past events, and also sometimes and often about what's going to happen in the future. And the important point here is that your thoughts need to be accurate. And we need good reality testing in order to live effectively, right? Because I always talk, you don't want to just react off your moods and you don't want to just assume because you think something that your thoughts are true because then you'll react to it before you really think it through and then you might regret the behavior. So since we know our moods are created by our feelings 100% and not by the actual events themselves, we need to really be aware of what we're thinking, right? So we need to think about the events and attach a meaning to them before we experience the emotional response. It all happens like so fast, so fast. And that's why, you know, I really talk to you guys a lot about taking a moment when you're feeling that mood that's negative and taking that moment and saying, you know, what am I thinking about right now? Instead of like, oh my God, I just have to stop this feeling or I have to react to what's going on. I really need to stop because the meaning I'm giving to the experience is might be what's screwing me up right? Because that creates that emotional response, right? And everyone has different ways of interpreting the same event. I mean, that is so true. You know, you talk to someone, you know, if you've been in a situation, say a family situation comes up and you talk to every family member, they could have a completely different story or perception of what happened. Some people will be like, I can't believe that happened. I'm so upset. And other people are like, what are you talking about? Who cares what they say, <laughs> right? So I think we've all been there. We can understand that. So that's why we have to understand what our interpretation is and what our meaning, because it could be distorted. So let's just say you have a friend, we'll call her Rhonda, and she decided to move to a different part of the country. So some people might congratulate her for making a move that could bring her happiness that she really wanted for a long time. Other people might condemn her for running away from the life she has here. Some will call her healthy. Some might call her greedy. Some might think that, you know, she's heartless or doesn't care about, you know, the relationship you have with her that she's leaving, you know, and how we think about Rhonda reflects in our own core beliefs about the world and how we think things should be, which is the first distortion, should statements. But we'll talk about that in just a minute. So just to talk a little bit more about how we define things. So with Rhonda's actions, 
in terms of how we personally interpret the world. And these interpretations reflect our basic assumptions we have about how the world works. So her move in itself signifies nothing until we think about it, and then we place that interpretation or meaning on it. If we see it as a healthy part regarding her move, you know, then we can have a really happy response for her. And if we see her as being selfish, we might have an angry or depressed response to her moving. So once we give meaning to an event, we can experience an emotional response to it. And in other words, our thoughts obviously create our moods, right? So that's always where we're coming back to. The way we think creates our moods, affects our behaviors and our physical reactions. And again, the environment that we're in, we need to look at. If the meaning we give to events is usually negative, we might constantly find ourselves feeling depressed, right? That makes sense. And if the meaning is usually positive, then we might find ourselves feeling good much of the time, which is where we want to be. And if we give threatening meanings to events in the world, we might find ourselves living with a lot of anger and fear. And if the world is a stressful place, which it is right now, we experience anxiety, right? Lots of anxiety going on right now because there's so much stress going on, a lot of uncertainty, pandemic, political issues, you know, financial situations, people's health. So sometimes we give meaning to our own actions that are negative, but that's when the judging comes in, when we judge ourselves in a negative light. This might come from a negative self-image, and our mood will reflect this, as well as our core belief in a variety of negative ways. So our emotional health depends on our ability to make good, reality-oriented judgments about what's going on in the world around us. And sometimes events are positive, and sometimes they're not, and we need to interpret them precisely in the way and have an appropriate emotional response to the situation. So hopefully that will be happier. And at other times, events are negative, and we ought to be able to give proper meaning to these events so we can take correct action and deal with the problem in a reality-based way. So it's again, it's not just always thinking positive, right? Because that doesn't work. Some things are negative and we need to deal with them. And other times, like I said, things are good. Most of our distorted thoughts are based on just learning and seeing other people having distorted thoughts around, you know, around us. If we're around people that tend to be negative, we may think more negatively like them. And all of us, I would say, have some degree of having distorted thoughts. We all have unique lives with different experiences, different parents, different friends, different problems to work through. So that throughout the course of our lives, we've learned our own ways of interpreting the world, right? So that's very true. And our interpretations are not always based in reality. They're often colored by our unique needs and experiences. So we develop our own core beliefs about how the world operates. And when various situations present themselves, these beliefs lead us to our automatic thoughts, right? And I've talked about our automatic thoughts are the thoughts that we all have all the time, but then we need to figure out which of your thoughts are hot thoughts, H-O-T, right? And hot thoughts are thoughts that are not 100% true. And I want to, I know I keep using this word core belief, so let me just clarify what that is. So, and that'll be another podcast I'm going to do very soon on core beliefs, but core beliefs are, again, it's your core, it's your center. And they're can be negative core beliefs, and then there's positive core beliefs. Positive ones, obviously, we want to leave alone and keep going. But the negative ones we need to identify because that's where our assumptions and our automatic thoughts slash hot thoughts come from, at, from our core. Again, how we see the world, how we think things should be. And sometimes, and many times, you know, we need to figure out what my core belief is because most of us don't really even know what our core beliefs are. They're, you know, unconscious or subconscious. and we need to identify them and change them. And when we can change our core beliefs, 
that are negative, it changes the way we think about everything. So that'll be maybe my next podcast that I'll do is on the core beliefs because that's been significant in my life and be able to change my core belief has changed a lot of things for me in a much better way. So going back to talking about the automatic thoughts, you know, these are well-learned ways of thinking about situations and it's instantaneous when it happens. And again, it reflects our underlying beliefs about the world. Sometimes the automatic thoughts are distorted, though, many times, I would say. And it's important to examine our own cognitive distortions so we make the right decisions in life and we want to increase our chance of experiencing good moods. So I'm going to share some cognitive distortions. So this is from Dr. David Burns, and he has created what's called Team Therapy, which I've had a lot of training with. And he has a book called Feeling Good. He also has another one coming out actually this month called Feeling Great. And he's phenomenal CBT. I call him a guru that's still around and doing great work. And he has a bunch of these cognitive distortions that I'm going to share with you today that you can figure, you know, do I use these? Do I use all of them? And it's not that one thought is one distortion. Sometimes I've had myself, my clients, be able to say one thought has like maybe all 10 distortions Dr. Burns talks about, or maybe three, and they overlap also, but it's important to understand what they are. So once my clients together, you know, we can identify what are your hot thoughts, then the next step I go to is, okay, let's see what distortions are connected to this. Because sometimes that can be enough for people to change how they're thinking once they realize how distorted their thoughts are. All right. So you might want to write these down if you've got a pen and pencil or coming back to this podcast later time. But if you want to, I'm going to give you some terms and explain things. So the first one, which is super common, and I know we all do this, is what Dr. Burns calls all or nothing thinking. So, you know, this is when we see things in black and white categories. Events are either right or wrong with no shades of gray. So I always focus with my clients to get to the shades of gray. So this cognitive distortion is the basis of perfectionism, which is something people struggle with. Either you do it perfect or you failed. And unfortunately, this sets you up for feeling like a failure and it increases your chances of being depressed. So in the natural world, few things are perfect, right? And what's perfection? I mean, it's everybody's, that's kind of your perception. If you try to impose all or nothing on the world, you're not conforming to reality and you always feel as if you're coming up short. Right. So, for example, maybe, you know, because I didn't marry my high school sweetheart, I've never lost for all time and I'll never find happiness in love. Like that's all or nothing thinking. Right. I either reach these goals and if I don't, I'm a failure. You know, I need to always be the smartest, the prettiest, the cleverest, the richest. Like, you know, you're always reaching for something that most likely you're not going to get because, again, what is perfect in your mind? And it's like you're always struggling to get there, so you always feel a little less than, and you can't appreciate the accomplishments or the beauty that you already have in your life. So again, shades of gray is, you know, finding that middle ground. And I, I tell all my clients, you know, especially with all or nothing, like, you'll always find someone that's doing better than you, and you'll always find someone that's that you're doing better than. So it's more about being present, and how am I doing, and am I doing the best I can be in my life to feel good about? So that's where you want to get. So all or nothing is one distortion. Another one a lot of people do is overgeneralization. So this is when we see a single negative event as part of a never-ending streak of failure. So although normal setbacks we all have in life 
can be upsetting when they happen, of course. They're usually explained through different circumstances. So to fail to examine the different situations and generalize them, all as having a single cause, again, is a way of setting ourselves up for failure. And the more effective option is to look closely at the particular reasons for an upsetting event and then to take action to correct the situation. So an example for this one is, you know, here we go again. I've now lost three jobs in 10 years. I'm just not meant to have a job. There's an overgeneralization, right? Or I think a lot with what's going on in our world and, you know, all the protests and people speaking up that there's a lot of overgeneralizations about different people's race. There's different generalizations about people's religious beliefs. So it's a very common thing if you can look at it that way. And that's something you want to ask yourself, is that something that I do? Another one, another distortion is called mental filter. And this happens when a person picks out one negative detail in a situation and dwells on it exclusively. So that's something a lot of people do. I think especially when you're angry at somebody and you find that one thing, you just go over and over and over again instead of looking at the whole situation. So you ignore all of the positive events that maybe have happened. And this one negative definition colors your interpretation of the entire situation. So when people are depressed, they see the world through a negative filter. They filter out the good things that have happened and only see the negative. So an example for this would be, my best friend didn't return my phone call today. The world is filled with insensitivity and I can no longer call her my best friend, right? So I know my examples are like sound really extreme, but I'm telling you, this is the way we all think. It happens to us for sure. Another distortion is called disqualifying the positive. So this is an extreme example of turning positive events into negative ones. So when positive things happen, you may say, oh, they don't count. And you find a way to turn them into something negative. And if you don't do this, you probably have met someone that does. The cognitive distortion can be a way to express a negative self-image. And this is a way of blocking out the richness of your life experiences, you know, that can bring actually better feelings to you. For example, you know, I know my therapist complimented me on being a caring person, but that doesn't count. She's just doing her job and she doesn't really know that I'm a horrible person on the inside. There's an example of disqualifying the positives. Another one that's really common is jumping to conclusions. So you make a negative interpretation of an event, even though there's no real evidence to support this conclusion. And there's two types of jumping to conclusions. So one is fortune telling. So this is where you anticipate that things will turn out badly and act as if they've already turned out that way. So your actions then become a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So an example is, you know, I know my speech tomorrow is going to be a disaster. I'm not even getting out of bed in the morning. So there's fortune telling. I know what's going to happen. I always say to my clients, do you have a crystal ball? Because I don't. And I don't know how you know what's going to happen. The second one for jumping to conclusions is mind reading. So without checking it out by talking to the other person or seeking other advice, you arbitrarily conclude that someone is acting negatively towards you. So an example of this is, you know, Tom didn't act as if he even saw me on the street today. So I'm going to assume that our friendship is over. In truth, Tom didn't see you on the street today. And sometimes it happens. So, you know, people get distracted in life. Sometimes they don't hear you. Sometimes they don't see you. And we want to take a minute and not just assume, right, and do mind reading that it's all negative. And we need to sometimes check it out or say, hey, Tom. You know, I saw you on the street today and you might be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even see you. Sorry about that. And then, you know, then your mood changes because your thought is like, oh, okay, he didn't see me. It's got nothing to do about him not wanting to be my friend. And it could just happen in an instant. So you really need to take the time 
to, you know, take a moment and say, you know, am I jumping to conclusions? Am I mind reading? Fortune telling? You know, I got to just slow down and not just think the world's so negative. Another one is called magnification and minimization. So magnification is when we have catastrophic thinking. And this happens when you blow a negative event out of proportion. Minimize is the opposite, when you look at your strengths and then you trivialize them. Both of these processes take us out of touch with the reality of a situation, interfere with good decision-making. So an example for this is, you know, the doctor's office didn't call me with my lab results. I just know the doctor needs to talk to me about something very serious, and she's waiting to see me in person. So that's the catastrophic, that's the magnifying, the situation. Minimizing is... I know I got a standing ovation tonight for spending two weeks organizing the banquet, but really it was nothing. Anyone could have done it. So that's minimizing. And I find, you know, people do both of these, but, you know, when it comes to mind about clients uh, that I work with, I really think minimization happens a lot, especially when I talk to my clients about looking for their own strengths and the good things about them and their resiliency is people tend to minimize thinking, well, that's just, you know, I should be doing that, which I'm going to talk about shoulds in a second. You know, that's just how I should be. Instead of saying, no, that was a really great thing you did, or that was really, you know, you're being of service to somebody, or you handled something well, or you just were there and caring. So really, you know, when you tend to downplay what you're doing, just take a minute. It's not about boasting about yourself. It's just saying, yeah, that was good. I feel good about myself because I handled that well. So take a minute to think about that. Another distortion is emotional reasoning. So this happens when you let your emotions guide you as if they reflect the reality of a situation, which is complete opposite of what I'm trying to teach you, right? (laughs) So when people feel depressed, they use their feelings, which are usually negative, as their guide rather than doing a good reality check, which is, what am I thinking and is it even true? It's more helpful to check the reality of your perceptions, even if your intense emotions make things seem really real. So an example of this is I feel overwhelmed. So my problems are impossible to solve. And, you know, you do probably feel overwhelmed, but your problems are not impossible. And just because you feel that way doesn't mean it's true, right? Just because you think that way doesn't mean it's true. The next one, which is super common, should statements, right? Shoulda, woulda, coulda, I will add to that. And the root word of should is scold. I tell people this all the time. I love sharing this little information that when you say, I should have done this, or you should have done this, you're scolding yourself for others. And remember, your brain does not challenge what you're saying to yourself. Your brain's like, yeah, you should have done that. That wasn't good. You're not a good person. You're not smart enough. You're not dot, 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 or those other people because they should have done something. And you really need to be mindful about what you're telling yourself because your brain just believes what you say. So We motivate ourselves by talking about things that we should do, but the consequence is that we end up feeling pressured, guilty, and resentful. And paradoxically, we then feel unmotivated and apathetic when we don't live up to our unrealistic expectations. So when we apply these statements to other people, we conclude that other people aren't living up to our expectations of them, and this leads to our losing respect for them and maybe a relationship. So Really be mindful, and I'll give you two things that you can use to replace that, right? Because we all use the word should all the time, and it's fun when I, you know, can see my clients there catching themselves. They'll talk to me and say should, and then they'll be like, oh, there's my should. So you can replace should with I wish I would have handled that better, 
I would have preferred if my friend did call me back when I left that message versus she should have called me back. So instead of saying should, you can say I wish dot 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 or I would prefer dot dot dot. And that's a much positive, gentler way of talking to yourself or thinking about others. So be mindful of that. Another distortion is labeling. So our lives are complex and constantly changing. And the definitions we place in ourselves in one situation might not be appropriate for a different situation. So when we label ourselves or other people, we apply a simplistic and unfair definition. That's probably wrong, also more likely just even incomplete. So we fail to appreciate the full complexity of life when we apply simplistic labels. So we want to think about are we labeling ourselves as less than or even others? And is that getting in the way? you know, of me reaching my goals. So labeling might be, you know, I feel stupid. That's a label I'm going to put on myself that I am stupid. And then if I'm thinking that, why am I even going to try, right? Why even bother? Because I'm not capable, obviously. And then the last one I want to share with you is personalization. So this is when you see yourself as the cause of negative events that you're not even responsible for. And when something bad happens, you assume that it is your fault. This cognitive distortion leads to a feeling of personal guilt. So an example could be that she went into the hospital because I didn't call her that day. And if I talked to her and helped her get through what she was struggling with, things would have been better. So you personalize what is happening around you. And also to add to this one, because it's kind of in the same category, is blaming. So you blame yourself for things that aren't even your fault. Right. And so you want to ask yourself, you know, is it my fault that, you know, this happened or that happened? Sure, it would have been nice if I could have intervened, if I could have helped, but is it really my fault? So that self blame and personalizing is the last distortion I wanted to share with you. So these are all really great tools to add to what you already have with the cognitive behavioral therapy. So remember, just going through this again is our thoughts create our moods, which affects our behaviors and our physical reactions. And then our environment is a factor in what's going on in our environment, right? And how it's affecting us. So when you have a negative mood, regardless how little it is or big, you know, I always remember, I want to remind you, it's the little stuff every day that really wears on us and that it's not just the big things in life, but a lot of people think that that's what we're looking for. What's the big stuff that happened? It's the little stuff, little stuff that's happening. So we want to identify our moods, no matter how strong they are. And we want to ask ourselves, what am I thinking about? And then once you get your thoughts down on paper or be able to, you know, when you get good at this, you're just doing this in your head and identifying if it's a hot thought, which is a thought that's not 100% true. And then using that thought and going through these cognitive distortions, you know, am I doing all or nothing thinking? Am I overgeneralizing? Am I saying shoulds, right? Am I personalizing or blaming myself? Something isn't my fault. Am I minimizing? Or am I blown it out of proportion? Am I jumping to conclusions, right? The fortune telling, the mind reading, you know? And again, sometimes, not always, but just being able to look at these distortions and see like, like my thought isn't even true at all. It is just so distorted. There's no truth in it. I need to really figure out what's going on. Why am I even thinking this way? And then coming up with evidence that supports the hot thought, because sometimes there is some truth in our hot thoughts. and then. What part is not true so we can find more balanced thinking? 
Again, the book I use with my clients is called Mind Over Mood by Dr. Greenberger and Dr. Podesky. And that has all the tools that I talked to you guys about on the podcast in there. So the whole fall record, which is what I just talked about. And also my podcast called The ABCs of CBT, I walk through a whole fall record. So you can always go back to that one as well. So again, I hope this is helpful. Another tool about CBT. There's just so many, which I'm loving sharing with you. And, you know, we got a lot more to go. So I hope you'll keep listening and share with those that might find this helpful. I talked to a lot of people, actually, which I'm really grateful that people are like, oh, I'm sharing this with this person. I'm telling them, listen to your podcast. I thought it would be helpful. And again, it's just the more people I can reach, my intention is wanting to teach the world more CBT and for all of us to be happier and healthier regarding our thoughts and how we feel about things and affects our you know, physical health as well, as well as our mental health. And they're all important all important, mind, body, soul, together we need to do. So thanks again for being with me today. I hope we'll join again next week. And again, keep in mind the September 26th for my live Facebook event. You can follow me on my CBT podcast on Instagram. You can email me at mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. Please visit my website at mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. There's videos. There's more information on CBT. There's lots of newsletters. There's tips on just getting started. Lots of good stuff is on there. Just to start learning the Mind Over Move book. There's a little picture of it if you want to see what it is before you order it. And you can also follow me on Facebook at Dr. Julie Osborne. And I'm also on LinkedIn at Dr. Julie Osborne as well. So again, I encourage you, please send me emails, questions, suggestions for the podcast. And you can go to Apple Podcasts if that's what you're listening on. And you can subscribe, rate, and review. I'd really appreciate you taking the time to do that as well. I'll end with my mantra, which is make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel. Take care and stay safe. Whoa, Poe Productions.